0: Welcome back to the latest United podcast. And unfortunately, um, a lot of these podcasts will be surrounded by the topic, have we bottled the semi-final? Has Solskjaer bottled the semi-final? We'll definitely have a big discussion about that. But I think the main thing we can all agree on, Larry himself has been the one who bottled it. I don't think he wanted to do anything regarding Anthony Martial or Luke Shaw's performance today. So he has called in sick. But we do have podcast listener and One of our members from the FIFA 21 Pro Clubs team, Param, to join us. How are you, mate?
1: Pretty good. Thanks for having me on.
0: You sure you're pretty good after that semi-final defeat?
1: I mean, look, there's a lot to talk about, so I think we should get right into it, obviously. Like... Not the best time to get onto the podcast, but yeah, we, when Larry's out, I guess you sub. He being. always calls
0: in sick after these losses. I can see him after Martial scores a hat trick against Watford. I can see him sort of, oh, he'll I can see back. Him strutting back he'll in like back. Vince McMahon, like with the Billy he'll strut, and he'll yeah. be back. But um, he leaves us to do all the dirty work. So um, yeah, we'll get into it just on that on that bottle. It look we'll have a bit of a discussion about it now, and it's it's a term that's thrown around in sport so often in terms of if you lose a game or well, you bottled it. But you do look at the facts now and you go back over time, we have lost four semi-finals. Now, there are certain circumstances with each of those games. I think one of the things is, they've all been against good teams, so sometimes you lose football matches, but just your opinion, because I definitely have an opinion on it, um, in terms of, did United or slash Solskjaer bottle it today?
1: Yeah, so to be honest, if this was a one-off and we lost the semi to City, I I would say it's not a bottle, but four semifinals in and the quarter-final in the first year under Oli in the Champions League maybe it's not his squad you might say but it's definitely a repeated pattern that we can't get the job done in the cup competitions at the moment which is a bit of a it's a bit of a worry for me. But if you look at
0: and look, I can understand what, because it is becoming a sort of constant pattern. However, it's a constant pattern. We're succeeding to get up to this stage. When you reach the semi-final, you're going to play against good teams. You mentioned there the Champions League quarter-final. That's against Barcelona, for God's sake. But I look at it now and think, before the game, or, or not even before the game, in a one-off game, Manchester City versus Man United, who are favourites in a one-off game. I think nine times out of ten people would say City should win this game. So, in my opinion, I don't. If we were playing Brentford, and we'd lost three semi-finals, and we come into a semi-final against Brentford, and we lost that, I'd be all aboard saying yes, we bottled it. We didn't show up, but we. I think Man City are the best team in the country, in my opinion, and they won a foot football game. I thought they were fantastic. I can't agree that that's us bottling it.
1: Yeah, for sure. To be honest, if it was just a one-off, then I'd say uh, obviously it's not a bottle, but. It's more so the repeated patterns you but, see. But isn't there isn't there just, a case uh, which I
0: understand that? But isn't there a case of well, semi final? Every game is a one off. The, the Sevilla game was a one off. The Chelsea game. The Sevilla game, we were good. It was just one of those ones that didn't didn't happen. So you can put that to a one-off. The Chelsea game, from memory, you can re-jog my memory. I might be incorrect. I think we rested a few players. I think the... Yep, we rotated rotate. Pogba, Greenwood and, came off. And the Chelsea bench. and us were level throughout the season. I think what well, was a goal difference or a points difference sort of thing. So it's a one-off game. Or Chelsea are a good team. United are a good team. Chelsea won that. Last year was obviously the City. Same situation, but obviously over two legs. We won one of the games... Um, obviously it wasn't enough to go through, but City were better than us last season. Um, City, well, the table says we're better than them this season, but I somewhat disagree. So I, I understand the constant trend, and that's why people are frustrated. But I, I look at it there, and we'll just get into the City team now. We, we'll have a discussion on Twitter. It comes back to the point where I say City are a better team than us. So in terms of, the, I understand the frustration everyone has with losing, but City are a better team. We're, they're supposed to win this game. I don't, don't understand the outrage.
1: Yeah, I totally understand like especially with the lineup for City, it's always going to be a strong lineup. No Aguero, no Jesus, and you still have one of the most like world-class front lines you can probably form. My question is more so after four semi-finals, there's a certain amount of luck that hasn't gone your way, and I think what defines a great team is not only the quality of each player, but those small moments of luck and small moments of quality. That really set aside a good team from a great team, and the, especially because they aren't going our way. Uh, I, I did mention like the Barcelona game, obviously such a long time ago and such a strong lineup against us. But Rashford hits the post in the first minute at the Camp Nou. Uh, the Sevilla game, Rashford doesn't shoot in the last minute of the first half. These are just small memories that I have in these losses that come over time and. Even this game, I didn't really have any of those memories where I thought, we can really capture the game here, which was really frustrating to see from me.
0: Well, did you see Pep Guardiola, he was talking about it, and look, he have a whole podcast on the way Manchester City have dealt with sort of the, the recent coronavirus issues regarding sort of postponements of games and everything. But if you listen to Pep's press conference over last week and the last couple of games, he's really sort of downplayed, said, we've got no one available, um, we should have all these games postponed, we've got such a thin squad, I can't deal with it, it's so hard. So he's played down these chances and I think everyone even myself has sort of fallen victim to it and think you know he's right we can go beat them he's only got 14 available players they're sort of quite under strength as you mentioned Yeah, Gabriel Jesus and Aguero on the bench but if you look at their team and look these prices are off the top of my head in regards to I would forget if they were euros or pounds but it's a, it's a rough estimate of the price you've got Ruben Diaz who he was fantastic at centre-back he cost 70 million
1: for sure for Cancelo
0: sure. who I remember when Juventus beat Old Trafford a few years ago They had Dybala on the pitch and Ronaldo on the pitch. Cancelo was the best player on the field by far. He's a £30 million yeah. fullback. John Stones, who scored the goal, is a £50 million centre-back. Fernandinho has been brilliant for Manchester City over the years. I assume he cost 30 or £40 million. Gundogan, I thought, was the best player on the pitch today. He's a fantastic player. De Bruyne is a £60 million, or was a £60 million player. He's probably a £200 million player now. Raheem Sterling started. He cost £50 million. Riyad R- Mahrez started. I assume he cost the same. So I'll go through that and everyone's saying, well, oh, City a bit under strength." I just showed you the values then. Obviously, United players cost a lot. Yeah. You go through that team. Yeah,
1: I was just about to say, like, just with that, you've named the prices of those players, but to be honest, apart from McTominay and uh, Rashford, of course, th- our team also had big price yeah, lines. No, no, yeah, So it's not that City were under strength, but I definitely thought it was much more of a fair fight uh, than you thought going into the game. So I definitely thought we had more of a chance then. Obviously, the tactics of Guardiola made out to be, and it's so, it's so sad to say, but it's such a elegant way of playing with how they use their centre backs and full backs in build up. It's it's just something you wish, maybe not at United, but you just love to see as a neutral
0: footballer. Well, something you're almost alluding to there, and I think you're almost trying not to say it, but because David Moyes got so sort of so crucified for what he said. But now it's almost Lord It's almost the right thing to say Back then he was saying We aspire to be like Manchester City And almost rightly criticised for it But it, it stuck with him And now you look at it We all yeah. say the same thing God wouldn't it be good to play like that And it, it just, it's weird how we sort of reacted To the way David Moyes said it But all deep down we're all saying They're so good I wish we could play like that That is the level we need to be at But we're not, we're not criticising fans for saying that
1: It's definitely a sign of the times When I'm able to look at teams from around the Premier League even teams like Ajax, Bayern the big European clubs and just watch them and think we don't have a guy that with that certain quality or that sort of mindset to get it and we are getting there but it's a sign of the times for sure. We'll, we'll
0: go on to the actual game and enough about Manchester City because no one's tuned in to listen about them but we'll go on to the start in 11 and Look, there isn't too much. We'll get into Baye and Lindelof. I think there's not really a discussion over Henderson and De Gea. I think I think Henderson played quite well, but Solskjaer obviously does rotate a little bit and especially with the goalkeeper in the League Cup, so I don't think that was a huge shock, but the big one was I'm Lindelof and Bay, which I would say was a shock, but it caused a lot of controversy for a multitude of reasons. We'll go into it a little bit. Just your thought going into the game. Yeah, Did you think look, it was going to be Lindelof um, or Bay?
1: My opinion is Bay's definitely the better centre-back, but I don't have a problem with either of them because if this is a squad game uh, this season, during a COVID-hit season, rotating by for Lindelof, Lindelof a guy who's been your centre-back for the past two years, whether you think he's good or not, Ollie has trusted him over the past two years, but I, I think it's alright for him to pick Lindelof and expect a good performance. And apart from one set-piece... Defensively, I don't think they broke through as much as uh, as much as they should have. So, obviously, that goal with the free kick it, it is a bit concerning that we still social distance from the ball when it's booted into the box. But well, uh, you, you just oh mentioned well. it.
0: I thought Lindelof and Maguire, and we'll get into sort of three two ones a little bit later, and obviously the City goal. But in terms of their performance, yep. they, they did quite well. I don't think Eric Bay's selection in that team sort of changes the result of the game.
1: Exactly. Maybe he headbutts the ball when Fernandinho hits it in or something. But uh, to be honest, our defence for this season, it's it's really solid for about 85 minutes. And then there'll just be these insane lapses in concentration where a player's not being marked. And it really feels like... Um, do you remember when McBurney scored that goal for Sheffield no. in the 95th minute? Every goal sort of has that vibe to it, where it's like, how's this happened? Like, we're all here, we're all defending, everyone's got their man. Who's losing their man? I I think it's a case... It's it's really disgraceful. I think it's
0: almost a case, like, when we had those bad starts, we are so worried about the bad start... It almost yeah. compounded and it sort of forced a bad start. Where now when we're defending set pieces and quite deep, we're thinking, oh God, we're in this position. Yeah. Let's try and concentrate. They're, they're trying too hard. And we're just sort of on each yeah. other's toes and it's not quite working. But um, the main thing with the bay selection for me is nothing to do with performance. Um, whether you think Bay would have come in and that would have changed the result, that's someone's opinion. My, th- The reason I'm not criticising Solskjaer for it, and, and we'll never know, but Bay played a couple of games now in a row. You have yeah. to take him out because yeah. he's so important for hopefully the Burnley and hopefully the Liverpool <laughs> game. I thought I was about if to we say, play him in this game he right gets injured, then. well, what do we look at? Well, you've then going to criticise Solskjaer and say, well, he shouldn't have been playing in this game. So I thought, exactly. while frustrating, I thought it was the right decision by Solskjaer.
1: Exactly right, especially with his injury concerns. Having the opportunity to rest him over the next couple of weeks, which will hopefully mean. I've always said that when Eric buys fit, he has to play for Man United because every week he sits on the bench is a week wasted. But when it is a cup competition and you've played him three three times in about a week and a half, I think this is the opportunity to rest him and give him that time to recover and hopefully for the all of the United fans to just pray he stays fit.
0: Yeah, no, well, fingers crossed, we'll be interested now because... The Burnley game is this time next week, but we do have the Watford game, so it's one of those ones. Do you keep someone's match fitness up, or do you completely rest them? It'll be an interesting, which we'll touch on Watford at the end of the podcast. But yep. we'll just get into sort of Solshire and his approach to the game and his tactics. And a lot of people, which is common on social media, United lose a game. It's Solskjaer's fault. Just your opinion on the impact Solskjaer's sort of approach to the game had on the result?
1: Yeah. So the diamond for me, it was largely ineffective, but not from Ollie's setup. It was more the execution for me. You saw today a Bruno that wasn't as clinical, and it, Bruno's not a clinical player. He He creates a lot because he has the ball a lot, and today nothing really seemed to come off for him, and when Bruno's being fed the ball so much, you shut down Bruno, you shut down the game for us, and that's how it feels at the moment, and unfortunately... Pogba Fred McTominay uh, even Shaw and Wambasaka they weren't able to replicate the creativity you need to win a game against Man City well two
0: things just on Bruno Fernandes there I think which we've, not- we've all noted this over the last couple of weeks is I forget how early it was but it was relatively early from memory is Fernandinho goes through the back of him and gives him a real kick. So it shows that it shows yeah. they're targeting Bruno. But something else with Bruno Fernandes, which I'm always extremely frustrated with, I have the same frustration with Daniel James. And fans love it. We we see Bruno chasing, closing everyone down, and we say, "Oh, that's fantastic! He put so much effort in." But he's closing the goalkeeper down. Suddenly, their goalkeeper plays the ball, and Bruno is the furthest forward, and he's one of the midfielders. And suddenly there's only three midfielders. Exactly. so it looks fantastic. It looks like he's it putting is. so much effort in. But I think it's at a detriment. He puts too much effort in. That, that sounds bad, but you know what I mean? He's putting w- way yeah, too no, much in.
1: Definitely, like it it stuffs up your whole defensive set in terms of positioning because Martial uh suddenly 5-10 metres back and he's playing in an unnatural position. So if you do get that, if you do nick the ball off them, all your players are in the wrong positions, and I'm sure Oli's practiced this on the training ground, with interceptions, with fast breaks, this sort of a thing, where he wants all the players, and usually it's with Rashford or Greenwood or Martial as the furthest forward, and Bruno or Pogba playing that ball through. So it's really Martial's responsibility for me to lead that press, which you see at times, but not enough. But then you say
0: that, which I, which I agree, but. It, it's while it's marshall's responsibility it's bruno's fault for going there's no no reason yeah, for bruno exactly to go. exactly so,
1: no 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 not not to blame Martial yeah. at all there it's just more so bruno's tendency as this explosive player it's he's really just a fireball of passion i don't know how else to describe it really like the way he plays it's what every fan wants to see but it's probably not what every coach wants to see. There's probably a few moments every game where you're like, why are you shooting from there? Why are you chasing down there? Why are you at the right back slot? Why are you at left back collecting the ball so deep sometimes? And it's for me, it's the best part of his game. That's also the worst part of his game. That 110% commitment. Yeah,
0: I I, I thought Solskjaer was going to take him off. I thought Bruno was... I I thought he was woeful too. I thought it was one of his worst performances. I thought on the ball, I thought he was... I think he was so frustrated. Yeah. He was just trying too much, yeah. and it just wasn't working.
1: It's it's one of the things that I hope oppositions don't realise is if you just... And it, it's harder than it sounds, but if you close out Bruno, you're going to get a point against Manchester United, and a problem with that is we do play the 4-2-3-1, and I know you disagree on this point, and you think one of the sixes will naturally push up to be an 8... But I just feel having that double attacking pivot with Pogba would do so much more for us because when you shut down one, then the other will have so much more space. But would, I would just like to see it be a lot more fluid than it we're is Well, just, we're just right on now. midfield, and
0: I, I wouldn't say this so much a Bruno Pogba in a big game debate. I don't want to sort of really touch on that. But you touched on at the start of the podcast almost looking at this game as a neutral and looking at Manchester City as a neutral. And what we, when they sort of played through us, we look at it from a United point of view and we say, oh, it's the wrong shape, we we're out of position here, or this player should close down, and we should have done better. Yep. However, look, I don't want to credit Manchester City too much, but the way they played through midfield, I am telling you, I've been on the receiving end of this as well, when I've come up against good players and a good team. Sometimes, there was periods in that game where United could not do anything. De Bruyne, Goodigan and Fernandinho exactly were right. moving the ball at a pace, and the angles mm-hmm. they were creating was unbelievable City were exactly. sadly they were fantastic at times in that game and there was nothing obviously shape could be better here and there but I, I thought City the way they played through midfield some of the balls De Bruyne and Gundogan were playing to each other they were like almost, it was side, side of the foot passing but they were smashing the ball in and it was just sticking exactly and I just right. thought sadly it's not about aspiring to be Manchester City or anything it was just saying yep. hats off they're a good team with very good players and obviously a very good manager
1: yeah, just on, on top of that as well, I'd just like to say like with that city midfield they even when uh even when they were clearing it and you just thought, Oh, Maguire's gonna get this one, they suddenly just have a player appear out of nowhere and they were always first to that second ball, which really hurts you against a high possession team because you're you're already gonna get very few opportunities to get a break or have the ball to create the opportunities. But when they're first to the second ball, your opportunities are probably down to about 15%, 20% of the game. So I think, I think a lot of it, because there's such...
0: Look, they're obviously very good footballers. We're very good footballers. But a criticism I've had of our players is the intelligence. And I look at... There was one incident, and I don't want to pick on Fred too much, but there was this one case. I think it was in... It would have been in the second half, I think it was. The ball was coming down. Fred, it was coming down sort of quite a high ball. And Fred was standing underneath it. And I was screaming at the TV saying, don't chest it, don't chest it, don't chest it, don't chest it, because he had a bit of time around him. And I was thinking, just, just put your head on it. Just keep the ball alive. And what does he do? Tries to take it down on his chest because he sees nothing in front of him. And De Bruyne, as you say in those 50-50s, De Bruyne just pops around at the back of Pixie's pocket. And it's just what I say about Fred. And I thought he was quite good today. He provided a lot of energy, which United definitely needed in that midfield. But just no awareness of what's around him. And you look at the Manchester City players they're aware of what's around them. When the ball comes into them, yeah. they know where the defender is, they know where their next pass is, they know what, they know where the next pass is going, what that defender is going to do. So when I pass the ball, I know where to move. And look, I don't, I don't want to heap too much praise on them, but they yeah. are very good to watch. It's,
1: it's the limitation you get when you play Fred and McTominay, I guess. You sacrifice that quality on the ball. They do have a bit, don't get me wrong, but you sacrifice that for energy, which is something that, Manage probably doesn't provide, but manage probably a lot more calmer on the ball, and that's probably something we should have seen today. Yeah, it's it's a hard one. You've definitely
0: got to find that balance. Um, if you could combine all three midfielders, you'd have a sort of a prime Roy King. Uh-huh. And,
1: Don't get me started yeah, on that. So, <laughs>
0: um, we'll just onto the goals. We'll quickly touch on the goals because they obviously did cost. Because I thought while City were great, I thought the game was relatively even. It was just decided sort of. We, we, we switched off at the back and they will switch on up front and I think the two or three times when we got into positions in the box in you know, an attacking sense I thought we were quite switched off we didn't quite take advantage so well yeah. obviously the second goal I think was just one of those ones that got floated in got cleared out good shot um, good goal I thought no no one really at fault for the second goal but the first goal obviously throws up a lot of talking points you know it wasn't a corner but it was a set piece from a sort of crossing range um, we we'll touched touch on it we we'll touch feasible. on a little bit earlier but just are you going to point the blame at anyone or is it a collective thing? Because uh, I, th- so I, I, I think Shaw it's got a... a lot of good blame, but in, and, and I think rightly so. I think when the ball comes to them, they need to be switched on. I thought the issue for me, and, and not to point sole blame at him, Lindelof should deal with it. I think Luke Shaw and McGuire yep. think Lindelof's going to deal with it. And again, their exactly. situation at the back post, they have to expect the worst. They have to expect he's going to miss it. But surely you've got to expect yep. Lindelof to do better.
1: Yeah, uh, all three of them, but in that order... From first to last uh, Lindelof, Maguire, Shaw Because they should each be backing each other up And getting that ball out of there And it's something you just think It's such a simple drill to practice Like just have a fullback Cross that ball in And have these guys line up on the edge of the box And just clear that ball out And keep practicing that And you'd probably also have Maguire practice his heading a bit more Because we don't get enough headed goals At the moment from what do you think, think of a that? Bit of a I was shame. having a discussion with
0: someone on Twitter today. Just before we move on to Solskjaer a little bit, um, Maguire in that yeah in that attacking forget the defending, we're attacking corners now. Seems every single corner lands on his head, but he doesn't yeah. sort of sort of trouble the goalkeeper. Now I look at it and it is frustrating yeah. when you see you think oh god you've got to do better there. But when the yeah. they show the replay, nine times out of ten he, he, he's being yeah he's barbed, being pulled yeah. down by so he can't get a leaf and the balls just sort of. <laughs> hitting yeah. his head rather than him attacking the ball. Yeah. And there was one today where he he was in space, but I looked at it and he was so yeah. unlucky, this wasn't Lindelof's fault. But it looks like Lindelof's going to head the ball and just sort of skims Lindelof's head and Harry Maguire just wasn't yeah. expecting it. and it Hit, hit him on the head.
1: Whenever I see him hit a header, he's always in shock yeah. that he, he actually got his head on it because he's being triple yeah. marked. But just memories of that 2014 World Cup and seeing him belt a oh, his few... Oh, he's got the ability. I think that's he, what's frustrating. Yeah. Um, cause it, I just wished we, like, drafted more options for him, like, tactically, to get free on yeah. those set pieces because we said it under Jose, we, like, we had all these giants, but to be honest, I never really felt like the biggest threat on these attacking corners. Yeah.
0: yeah, no, completely. I think you could almost, as you say, there's always two or three men on Maguire almost... Forget Maguire, just throw him somewhere near the back stick and have a Pogba, have a McTominay attack that near post because, as you said, we've got some big boys. So hopefully, look, Solskjaer, I'm sort of hazard to guess he's not listening to this podcast, but if he is, throw Maguire at the back stick and have everyone attack the near post and we should outnumber someone there. But um, on to Solskjaer. The substitutions yep. um, obviously comes in for a lot of criticism and, again, the, a huge source of the frustration regarding Solskjaer. just get your opinion first because I've got my opinions yeah. on the subs. Um, I,
1: I, I think I think the first thing that comes to mind is people saying last season that um, Oli doesn't make subs because he doesn't trust his squad. Now you've actually got Van de Beek, you've got Matic on that bench. I think Tellers was there too. You've got options where you can change the game in an attacking sense. And maybe he doesn't do that with the lineup, but it would have been nice to see at least some sort of tactical change. And maybe there was something I missed in the game with Rashford and Martial and Greenwood obviously coming on. But it felt very lacklustre. And that's something I think the players need to take responsibility for. But the manager has a responsibility as well to change that midway through the game with the half time team talk, with the substitutions. It's a missed opportunity for
0: me. On the substitutions with Oli, And look, when I'm sitting there on the couch, I'm screaming at the TV like everyone else. I'm saying, take this player off, bring him on... However, I take a deep breath and sit back and think of being in the manager's shoes. Especially in a big game against Manchester City, you're 1-0 down. I've been in the position as a player where you sort of you get a sense for what's happening. And it is so difficult for a manager to bring someone on. The reason being, especially early, it was around the 60th minute, everyone screamed, change it, change it, change it. And Solskjaer is so hesitant because if you change it and it goes wrong, the game's over, and that's pretty much what happened. The moment he yeah. sacrifices McTominay and bring, it was nothing to do with the tactical reason why we conceded the goal. It was obviously a set, set no. piece. But the moment we sacrifice that midfielder and put Greenwood on, which was the right thing, we needed a, we needed to sort of get rid of one of the midfielders and bring an attacker on. No issue there. But as soon as that risk is taken and we concede, the game's over, and that is why he doesn't want to take that risk. That is why he's hesitant. He's hesitant, and he's trying to wait for that last ten minutes, which is so frustrating but you can understand from his point of view um, he's in the hot seat yeah. his jobs on the line
1: I I probably I, I do agree with that but I I wouldn't say last 10 I think he should have made it around the 70th Yeah, just give just to give Greenwood a bit more time to settle yeah. in and also give the players an opportunity to react to that goal we concede before making a change and I've seen it I've seen it especially in that leipzig game and this is probably the most depressing game this this season where the players don't actually react to the goals being conceded until 3-0 down. And you're just you're just wondering, like, is it the mentality of the players just not not giving a shit?
0: Like, I wouldn't criticise that. Could you look at games that come from behind? You seem to go behind every other week after that. Yeah, so I, exactly. I wouldn't question the players. I think when you go... Exactly. When you, when you're on the back foot, it's almost what you have said in regards to the bad starts and conceding from set pieces. I think when things start to go wrong, it's almost deja vu and sort of the pressure piles on and think, oh God, here we go again. And it is hard. You do need something special to change that, whether that be Bruno Fernandes to put one in the top corner, whether it be a big tackle yeah. by someone, whether it be a referee's decision goes our way. Sometimes when things are against you, you just need, whether it be a bit of luck or a bit of quality, something needs to spark that change. I don't think it's always down to sort of... The approach or mentality of a player
1: quick question for you Tom I just I'm just wondering do you think we'll ever win these sort of games where we aren't the underdog
0: yeah we, we, we because we're, it felt we're today the,
1: it was more of a 50-50 we're top of the English Premier League we're
0: winning games like we look how frustratingly yeah, consistent yeah. we are we're a lot yeah. more consistent than other teams
1: yeah but I, I just mean in terms of like the top match uh Uh, the top match uh, games like against Tottenham your big six games are we actually going to win one of these because it's raising a question for me like we win the City game as underdogs and today we come into the City game with a bit more confidence with being like borderline first of the league touch wood and we come into this game with a lot more confidence Ollie says no excuses and we don't win and you see it in the Sevilla game, and obviously all the semis, whatever you want to say. But are we going to win these games when we are? When we do yeah, have the struggle?
0: So, uh, I understand. So, sort of see what you mean. And it is frustrating when this happens. It's almost God. Here it goes again. Here it goes again. But look, we beat Chelsea last year. We beat Tottenham this, last year. We, we are winning these games. It's obviously just. It I think it hurts so much when we don't win it. And it's yeah. a it's, it's a fresh I, I the think mind. it's
1: it, for me. For me, the big sides right now. Uh, Tottenham right now, Liverpool and City. And if we are able to beat one of them without that underdog mentality and just really show our quality and impose our strengths onto a game, and I know one of our strengths is counterattacking, and that usually means setting up a bit more defensively, but it would be it would be nice to see us impose ourselves, have a few more possession plays, and just say uh, we're, we're we're able to create goals against these teams
0: as well, well one. and be up there. Because, here's one for you. If we go to Burnley and get a result and we go top of the table away to Liverpool, how do you see that Liverpool match are United favourites or underdogs in that match?
1: I think we're still underdogs because we haven't beaten them for two seasons yeah, now, while, and it breaks yeah. my heart. Yeah, it's been a while since we have beaten them actually. And and the last time we beat them was a few days before the Sevilla game, so that one that one's not in my memory as well.
0: Okay, well we'll move on and this will be interesting because usually when we do the 3 two ones, me and Larry sort of have a discussion maybe throughout the day and we have an idea of who we think was there or thereabouts and look, I'm I wouldn't say totally adamant of my three points but as you're the guest I'm going to throw the three points to you and I hope you are thinking the same player as I am but um, it'll be interesting I think a lot of people will disagree with me so it'll be interesting I, who you think for three points I
1: think purely I think I know where you're going with this one but Purely on the lack of quality and execution from the rest of the players, I think... Hey, maybe there we go. We agree. Harry Maguire. Yeah. I, I knew what you were going with there, but honestly, do we have to give a 3-2-1 for
0: this game? Uh, because... We gave 3 21s when we lost 6-1 to Tottenham, so we, <laughs> we're definitely doing oh, 3 21s no. Oh, no. But, but on that, oh, you, you take yeah. away the goal, and obviously goals are pivotal moments. You can't hide, hide <laughs> away from that. But you, you take yeah. away the, the mistake with the goal, the performance yeah. Harry Maguire wasn't brilliant but can you can you remember yeah. City players sort of going past him or anything or giving him much trouble look
1: I think I think what you said was borderline Michael Owen there when you said forget the goal he had a good game but I do I, I get what you mean like uh, he did have a decent performance and there were there was that one opportunity obviously where De Bruyne hits the bar because Maguire is essentially worried he's going to dribble past him, so he drops off 5-10 metres too, too deep, and those sort of things, um, just genuine flaws in his game, which I don't see changing anytime soon because he's not going to turn into Usain Bolt, we know that and he is going to be a part of our defence for the next 4-5 years uh, I assume, so it's a solid performance based on the capabilities he has for me
0: yeah, now we'll move on to two points, and i will be interesting. I've got two players in my mind for the remaining two, and again, it is scraping the bottom of the barrel a little bit, but it seems we both agreed on Maguire for man of the match. I'll try it to you again for two points. Any suggestions?
1: I'd, I'd, I'm honestly brain-dead for these. I think I think I remember Henderson making a few Yeah, Henderson would be in there
0: for me. I, look, I, the, the more we've discussed this podcast, the more I'm thinking, definitely can't be this player. I was thinking Luke Shaw wasn't horrible again fault for the goal with Harry Maguire, but I thought in the balance of play he had a tough tough assignment up against City's wingers, and I thought he did quite well. But um again that it is hard to sort of push those for points in in a sort of disappointing loss. But the two players I had were sort of Henderson and Luke Shaw.
1: I would also, not that I'd want to give a shout out in in a loss, but. I think Rashford's tenacity yeah. is something. I think is maybe. Something that the rest of the squad can look
0: to. Yeah, I think potentially Rashford overshore. I think Rashford got especially in the first half because I thought we played well in the first half and he got into some good areas. I thought the defenders dealt yeah. with him quite well, but that's that's good defending. It's not no fault of Marcus Rashford. So um, yeah. yeah, as I said, especially when you compare his performance to Anthony Martial, who I thought the first half Martial was. I don't want to say brilliant, but I thought he was very good. Um,
1: Yeah, his link-up play has always been something that you have to keep a close eye on because it's very easy to miss because he's not that energetic, like he's not that lively presence. He's never been that. He's more of an on-the-ball sort of player. Yeah, he got so
0: much criticism online, Anthony Marshall. But I thought that first half, every single attack United started, came through Marshall. Someone pinged the ball into Marshall. It was one touch turn play, yeah. and um, unfortunately, the second half was quite poor. And obviously, his um, horrible attempt at Mo Salah's dive in um, didn't it didn't <laughs> pay off. But
1: I mean, it w- I mean, that's modern day football for me. Oh, yeah. If you're not going down, you're that's an opportunity missed, and doesn't matter what you think about VAR and all this. The the penalties are there to be got. Yeah, now always it's frustrating,
0: about. but um, yeah, it, it was sort of poor to see. But you can also. You can sort of respect the desire to try and win. If you've got a cheap... My
1: my mindset is... If we're not doing it... Someone else will do it. So I'd rather it be us. So would you be
0: going two points for Henderson... And one for Rashford? Or the other way around?
1: For sure. Two points for Henderson. One for Rashford. I just wish Rashford would... Hit one of those crazy shots... After beating a couple of defenders. And we've seen it once or twice... But I want to see it in full motion against a big club it would be beautiful to see one day
0: yeah no definitely well we'll quickly just touch on some 3-2-1s from Facebook and George has gone 3 for Rashford 2 for Pogba and 1 for Bruno 1 for Bruno George that is a a shout Uh, I can't agree there I think that's disgraceful (laughs) Um, yeah that was a minus point for that shot at the end Um, Emma from the supporters club has gone 3 for Rashford as well 2 for Bruno 1 for Maguire we've definitely watched a different game um, to George and Emma they both agree with Bruno and Adam Oh god Adam's got a point for Bruno He's always got one point for Bruno Two for Fred And three for Rashford
1: I, I think it's something with Bruno That you see often I see the commentators Every time I get so Almost triggered When they say Oh that's a rare missed yeah. pass For Bruno <laughs> I'm like Have you watched this guy play He's a Pure quantity Creative player Like He wants to play the final ball Every time he yeah. has it And That usually means The passing completion Is terrible and he gets you a goal maybe, but on a day like this, it's it's not pretty. I think long. it's it's not the debate for now because I
0: think the answer is clear as day. But me and Larry discuss it quite often on the podcast in regards to the De Bruyne-Bruno conversation and taking nothing away from Bruno. We love the guy. He's fantastic. Keep him in the team. He is what he is. But it, it is the argument we've had that Bruno can be more sort of effective for Man United. But in regards to simple who is the better footballer, Kevin De Bruyne he was, he, exactly he's was right. brilliant exactly football. Right. he's fantastic
1: it's, to watch it's, it's one of those arguments that you're going to have like what does the eye test matter what do the numbers matter yeah. goals and assists that sort of a thing just with Bruno one of the small concerns I have with these players putting up astonishing numbers is can they lead their teams to titles it's one of the concerns I had with Lukaku scoring all those goals it's something that I secretly have for Haaland as well it's just when you have this guy which demands a style of play demands the ball so much if he has a bad day your team won't win well you say that look,
0: look I completely agree however you say that we sit top well, by the, this time next week we'll be sitting top of those tables the top of the English Premier League and yeah, those numbers yeah, are I, sort of leading us towards the title So,
1: I, I, I meant only yeah. in the cup competitions like the knockout competitions where you need where you don't have the opportunity to have those performances those bad performances over a 38 game season Yeah. so it's just a small concern I have which I'm sure we'll touch back on another day
0: well we'll move on to the next day and that is kind of another little bit of a break from football when you think about how intense it has been and how intense it will be but we do have Watford in the FA Cup on Sunday morning I think it is so I'm pretty sure it's a Saturday game in England might be a Sunday game I'm not quite sure I think it's a a 7am kickoff. so either way It's a bit of a friendly kickoff time for us, which is good. I think this one, we always talk about um, who do you want to see play. I think this one is a case United fans around the world are saying, rest everyone, 11 changes. So are you sort of on that train? For sure.
1: You read my mind, and I'd like to see everyone get an opportunity that's been training around that first-team squad, whether it be for a loan move, for the likes of Williams, uh, Ethan Laird, if he's fit... Uh Mengi, if they're fit, and uh, I think we talked about it before as well, it's an opportunity for us to say goodbye to some of the players. I, I know one matter, probably not, not so much one matter, but uh, more Romero and... Uh, and I think Agalo is the big me, one I think this could be one of their last I think Agalo is a
0: big one in regards to we saw what Solskjaer did a few weeks ago with Henderson and Sheffield United I think this is Agalo's maybe last opportunity to play and it is you can throw that sentimental against thing in Watford, there against Watford yeah. and I think in yeah. regards to not having Cavani we're seeing some of the struggles Martial can have play up, playing up yeah. front maybe we, I wouldn't say play Agalo this morning against Man City but in hindsight you look at it and think well, maybe he would have given something different um, so I think it would exactly be nice right. to see Gallo play. The, the Romero one is an interesting shout. I'm not sure what sort of squad registration, sort of if he is registered, if the FA Cup is sort of, if that yeah, has any influence. I mean,
1: I've seen his, I think it was his wife that posted that the club is disrespecting him. And I fully agree with that because you you really should be letting him go if you're not going to play a keeper like that. You don't keep him as a third choice. He was happy as a second choice, but it's 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 poor on the club's part for me. Well, I think the uh, only thing... Especially if the offer has come in.
0: Yeah, no, I agree on the Romero front, but I think the main thing... Um, it's almost bigger than the result going into this Watford game. I think all that sort of every United fan want to see is when that team news comes out an hour before kick-off, it's <laughs> simply Donny van der Beek. Has, I'm sure he will. I'll nail it down. He ha- he will start. Yeah. But, yeah. but I think I that mean, is the most important thing. It's a bit
1: thing. like... It's a bit like when we were thinking about Angel Gomez, like last year, a couple of years years ago. We we're thinking, Tranmere away, surely, surely, surely he can play this game, I, right? I, I think this
0: one's this one's more now. On. Like he Angel Gomez, you yeah, can yeah. understand the case for not playing him. Donny Van Der be- yeah, at home if to he's Watford not signing a contract. Actually, <laughs> I yeah. assume it's at home to Watford. I think it's. I don't think it's away. I'm pretty sure it is at home. Yeah, it should be. So, um, look, fingers crossed because look, he, he comes on and he does well, but um. There's not too much to discuss regarding the Watford preview. Just before we go, yeah, I, um, we'll quickly yeah. touch on... Look, we're going to do plenty of podcasts in January regarding the transfer window. And by the time you listen to this, maybe there ha- has been a development. But the latest news we do have, or um, well, not we do have, but the Sky Sports and the sort of the media outlets are reporting, is that about this 19-year-old in Ecuador, um, Moises Casido. I think you pronounce his name, is a defensive midfielder. Whether the deal gets done who knows Um, it's one of those ones that's quite up in the air but they are all the media reports are sort of suggesting that the deal is pretty much done the only well the big stumbling block which now is a huge stumbling block is in regards to work permits and paperwork obviously now that sort of the Brexit has sort of officially happened and everything getting a young player from Ecuador is now going to prove quite a tricky task (laughs) so just your sort of thoughts on if that is a potential Um, signing in January
1: yeah I'm not really going to say much on him as a player, I've seen a couple of clips and obviously young players always going to be exciting when he comes in, but I think, as usual, give the player time to adapt to the league, he'll probably be in the reserves until the end of the season, and I really like the transfer strategy at the moment with, I know it's probably a bit of a cop out from the, from the Glazers just recruiting these cheaper players that are younger, but it might actually pay off with Polistri, uh, Amad Diallo Traore, and uh, this guy as well, Casado, yeah. and uh, th- there's a few more like murmurs, obviously of Camavinga, who everyone talks about uh, from France, and this is probably the best way of dealing with the transfer strategy getting a right mix of the experienced players and the young future stars.
0: Actually, you just mentioned there, Palestri, but that is a shout for Watford as well. I'm sure he'll at least be on the bench, so it'll be interesting, hopefully he can yeah. get a run out. Because I think he's on the bench for one game. I think it might have been a League Cup or maybe a Champions League game. He's...
1: I think it was even a Champions yeah. League game, actually. He was on the bench for um, against uh,
0: Istanbul. Yeah, so uh, but, be nice. uh... it'll be nice to see him get a run out because um, I think he, he had a slow start in the reserves. A lot of people who do watch reserves were saying... Jeez, this kid's not all that, but he has kicked on in the last yeah. couple of weeks and Yeah, yeah, quite I've well. seen
1: him score a few goals, but that have made me question the goalkeepers and the reserves. But uh, he's definitely had a nice assist or two as well, which is nice to see. Another thing I'd like to think about is every game Jesse Lingard plays for this club, you think it's probably going to be yeah, the last he's a game, shout and as I've well, thought that. Yeah. I've thought that for two years now, so so it's it's a rough situation, but. I hope I hope whichever way it goes, it goes quickly. Like uh, we, we trigger the one-year extension, obviously, but I hope we just decide earlier with these sort of things.
0: Yeah, it's hard. We can sit here and we've had this discussion. We sit here as fans and say, do this, do that in regards to the transfer market. And it, it all, all makes sense in our head because we've all sort of grown up on fee from a football manager and we sort of see competent clubs do business quick. But in regards to the sort of huge business that Man United is, There'll be so many, so many things we're sort of unaware of of, wh- of why these deals have been held up. And it is frustrating, but um, sometimes there is nothing yeah. you can do.
1: Yeah, you just feel with all the money being invested, surely surely someone's got something in between their ears telling them, look, some of these players, they're not playing and we're still paying them. That's not a good business decision. So the Glazers, it's if you want to be a good business sell these, sell the dead wood well I'm sure
0: they can have a sort of consultation with Arsenal and their treatment over Mesut Ozil it looks like Mesut Ozil is uh, uh. going to get his um, sort of his move away from yeah. Arsenal and when he does I'll dedicate a podcast to show why one matter was a better signing than Mesut Ozil but um, that uh. podcast will be at the end of January hopefully so make sure you <laughs> tune in for that and on that note it pretty much wraps up the podcast so First of all, um, big thank you to Paran for filling in and um, filling in for the injured, Larry. Uh,
1: Not a problem at all. Larry probably out for the rest of the season, I'm guessing, with Martial's form. Uh, Well,
0: as I said, with the Martial hat-trick against Watford, I'm sure he'll sort of strut back in like Vince McMahon, (laughs) uh, but no, we welcome Larry back, hopefully, on the next podcast to discuss the Watford game, and yeah, hopefully everyone enjoyed the podcast today. It is always a bit tricky talking about a loss, but um, sometimes... They sort of throw up a little bit more yeah. conversation than after Government a win. Team. So hopefully everyone enjoyed it. Make sure you subscribed on your podcast app, whether that be Google, SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, etc., and that you're following us. And not not just following us on all the social medias, but interacting. So whether that be commenting or liking, um, it might only take a second for you, but it is very. Um, both Larry and I very much appreciate all that interaction we do get on each post we put up. So thank you all for that and. Look, don't dwell on the loss too much. We're still, by the time you listen to the next podcast, hopefully we're at the top of the English Premier League. So um, that is something to look forward to. It's not all doom and gloom. So try and enjoy your weekend and we'll chat to you next week. Cheers. Cheers.